This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. He was gone. He was off to the races. Just when you thought it was going to be a huge play, a big missed field goal return up the left. Talk about an explosive sudden change play. This place is deadly quiet right now. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it is the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown, and this week we have a special guest, and we're on location at IGF, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Hall of Fame broadcaster Bob Irving is joining us. Bob, we're not going to let you speak right away. We'll talk to you in a minute, because uh, Doug, Doug, you have a tendency to get poetic, and you sent me this note this morning, we fear what we don't understand. Do you want to expand upon that? Well, you know, I was sitting there after the the game, after the BC game, and, uh, you know, the fact that they won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. And I was like, what a masterful defensive performance. And then I thought about the defense, and I was like, I have no clue what is going on, how they were able to actually orchestrate that, that fantastic performance that they had in that game. Because you look at the stats, and you look at them throughout the entire year, and aside from that game in Edmonton against Edmonton, and uh, obviously you can skip Hamilton, but that game and the BC game, they pretty much were the dominant phase of this football team with, that led to uh, victories. But then you look at all the other games and you look at the stats and everything like that, and, and they're at or near the bottom of most statistical categories in, in the CFL defensively. And the gold standard, really, for defensive football is you look at the average yards per play that your defense allows, right? That is because everything else, there are, there are limitations to any stat. There are, there are uh, variables outside of just the pure statistic that can influence or change a statistic. But the, the number one that's the most important is the number of yards you allow per offensive play against your defense. And the Bombers uh, currently, uh, not up to date after the BC game, but before that, allowing 6.9 yards for every play on average that is run against them. And uh, so to me, it just, it was something very confounding. I don't understand this, this defense. I don't know. It looks like they're starting to trend upwards right now, but all these numbers show that there are, you know, not doing well overall on average for the season. So it's interesting. You have that quote, you know, people fear what they don't understand. I don't understand this defense. And I guess you could say I'm fearful of what they might do on any given week. But, you know, you cannot take away from the fact that they were the, the, the causation. They were the reason they beat BC. And, uh, you know, that's two out of the last three games now where they've been uh, very impactful on the football field. So I hope this is something that uh, – uh, bodes well for this football team. 26-20 victory over the BC Lions, a very costly victory. Bob, you know, uh, typically Doug's comments go unchecked on this podcast because, uh, you know, the uh, there, there's, there's, there's no one smarter than him in the room, but maybe uh, we've changed that in this edition of the podcast. Do you Are you buying what Brown's selling? Well, I do understand the defense. It's not very good, and it hasn't been very good all season long. But what Doug said is accurate. Two of the last three games, and I throw Hamilton out, I think that was just one of those nights, a bad day at the office. But the other two games, the Edmonton and BC games, they were outstanding. And Mike O'Shea and Richie Hall, the coordinator, have been saying all year, we can play better defense with this group, and we will play better defense. And as far as each week passed, you didn't see it. You'd say, yeah, right, yeah, right. 
And then in Edmonton, they shut the Eskimos out for a half, shut them out. Mike Riley in that game. And this BC, and then they gave up some yards in the second half. And this BC game, um, for 55 minutes, the Lions had eight first downs and about 150 yards. And they got some weapons over there. And then they give up 160 yards in the last five minutes. But they had the game salted away by then. So I think they're playing better. They weren't very good early. The offense carried them. They're playing better now. And as Doug says, they're responsible for two of those last, those last two victories. And I think we will see them continue to play better than they did earlier in the year, keeping in mind they're without a key cog for the rest of the way. And, of course, that was Maurice Leggett. And what bothers me about the injury to Leggett, Doug, is the fact that the Bomber defense did allow BC to come down and, quote-unquote, give themselves a chance to, to win the game or to at least to recover an onside kick. We saw it happen in this stadium earlier this season. The Bombers did it against Montreal. If the Bombers keep the Lions out of the end zone, then that onside kick is unnecessary, and we're probably talking about not continuing the season without Maurice Leggett. How critical is his loss, and are guys like that replaceable by committee? Yeah, I mean, now you have uh, Westerman's obviously out for the season. Now the defensive MVP and candidate for this year's defensive MVP um, is, is done for the year, and that's not an easy position to have someone step in and, and just take over at, right? The, the Sam linebacker position, uh, right closely right after the nose tackle position is one of the most difficult uh, spots. <laughs> I'm just watching the video. Boy, oh boy, you, you almost got through that with a straight face, Doug. I was very impressed by that. Do you, do you want to try that again? Should we have Jerry give you another crack at that? Sometimes knowing which A-gap you're responsible for, Greg, you know, because there's an A-gap on either side of the center, sometimes you have to take both of them. So it's uh, it's an underrated position when it comes to cerebral. But uh, the Sam linebacker, wow. That's, uh, like I said, there's a reason the best athlete on this football team and one of the most impactful players was playing there. And uh, like you said, by committee, I, I don't know how. I really don't know. It's going to be, you know, we noticed this year already when Mo Leggett was out. He had a stretch where he missed some games. And there's just, there's just fewer plays being made out there. He's a guy that you can count on, whether he's having a, a great game, uh, mediocre or bad game. He's going to do something that you're going to notice that can turn the tide in, in a football game. And, you know, now, unfortunately, as the season's going on into uh, the postseason, uh, you know, there's one fewer guy out there that's capable of making a, a game-altering kind of kind of play. So, I mean, it's all about you know the the talk in the locker room. It's always, hey, this is a team, anyways. Next man up, and and we'll get this done. And and your teammates honor your absence, you know, by their inspired play, so on and so forth. There's a thousand things you can say, but the cold hard facts of this is you don't have anyone else on this roster that can replace him and do what he was doing out there. You just hope it doesn't end up uh, uh, costing them in, in, in the critical moments. So, Bob, I mean, Sam Hurl at, at middle linebacker, we were already a little bit suspicious of this linebacker core, even when Maurice Leggett was in the lineup. I think uh, Javon Santos-Knox has come on and, and done an incredible job uh, it, the, with the opportunity that he's been giving. Who's the guy? Who is that next man up? Well, as we speak, and the Bombers are still juggling that around, it's, I think it's going to be Brandon Alexander, who played there earlier in the season when Mo Leggett was out for two games, and he's been playing cornerback the last couple of months and has played it pretty well. Do you remember what happened when he came in for Mo Leggett? 
Yeah, well, the defense, as I said earlier in the show, the defense hasn't been very good all season, so I don't recall if it was any worse or any better. But going back to what we talked about earlier and why this defense uh, is hard to understand, as Doug says, one of the things I didn't mention is they have players like Mo Leggett who make big plays. He's a playmaker. I think they have more playmakers. T.J. Heath the other day picks one off and goes – Chris Randall in the Edmonton game picks one off and goes all the way. And, of course, Leggett was the leading guy in terms of making a big play when it mattered most. And so that's the one thing this defense has had that stood, stood it in good stead all year long. Now he's gone. And Michael Shea said to me this week, this is the toughest position on defense to play other than nose tackle. It's the toughest position on defense to play is that Sam linebacker or dime linebacker, as they call it. So, you know, have they dropped down there? Of course they have. Now, Brandon Alexander is a rookie. He'll go in there and fight like crazy. He's got pretty good cover skills. But he won't have the intuition that Mo Leggett has to make plays because he doesn't have enough experience. Can they survive? Well, sure, they can survive. Will they miss Mo Leggett? You bet they will. Where does it make the Bombers more susceptible? On the run or on the pass, or dare we say both? Yeah, I don't know that you can pick one or the other. Moe didn't play the run great. Uh, he played it okay, and he'd make a big play every now and then. Uh, you know, Alexander's a physical, tough kid. He'll give you some of that. Uh, but again, it's the experience, and, and Mo has incredible explosiveness, closing to the football. He can make plays that, that others can't because of his athleticism and his his mind. So the loss of him and, you know, I guess we're going to talk about Darvin Adams. Those are two stars. They're stars in this galaxy and they're gone now. Ian Wild is a name that we haven't brought up so far in this conversation because he's been out of the lineup with a broken hand for almost seven weeks now. Is there a chance Ian Wild gets in and can he have an impact on this situation? Well, I think there's a chance he'll get in, but no, he won't play that position, I don't think. I don't think they feel he's cut out to play that position. Not fast enough? I'd be, uh, he, he's pretty fast, Not probably not as fast as Mo Leggett, maybe not quite as quick, but he's pretty quick. But <laughs> that's a tough spot to play, and I, I, I think their sense is that Ian Wild isn't the, the best choice. Now, I think he'll be back on the roster in the next week or two. He'll play special teams and, and go in and play some linebacker, but I don't think you'll see him at Sam. I wanted to ask Bob this, actually. The, the best person I've seen play Sam uh, with the, the players on the roster um, in Mo Leggett's absence, and it's someone that's name is not even coming up right now, uh, probably because he does such a great job otherwise, is Chris Randall. And uh, is there a, is there, I just wanted to ask Bob if there's a, a reluctance just to move him there because of his dominance at his current spot. Yeah, there is a reluctance. His name did come up on the Monday Night Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea. He threw Randall's name in there and he said he could go in there and play. And you're right, he'd probably play it as well or better than anybody. But now you've taken him off the corner. He's been so good on the corner this year. Uh, the fewer moving parts you have, I think, the better, right, Doug? And, and if you're moving Alexander up, there, you've got moving parts there, and you're going to probably put Kevin Fogg at halfback and then uh, the rookie Brian Walker at the corner. Uh, but Randall was talked about, but I just don't think they want to move him out of his spot. So now we have to talk about the other side of the football, Darvin Adams. Uh, you know, this could be a season-ending injury. Uh, the Bombers are fairly deep at receiver. It's not too bad when you can go to the reserve list and the injury list and pull off, I don't know, Weston Dressler and ask him if he's ready to go. But Adams had really become that playmaker, that deep threat that the Bombers had been lacking for a couple of years, Doug. Yeah, it's just another guy um, 
I think he's the Bombers' number one receiver, hands down. And he has a lot of uh, traits and characteristics to him that nobody else brings to this football team, right? He was really coming into his own this year. Uh, Mike O'Shea will tell me he was doing that in previous seasons before he got hurt. But in terms of his consistency, I think his confidence has grown. I think his experience is, is shown on the football field. Uh, he's, a, he's a home run hitter now in terms of receivers. No matter where he catches that football, he's dangerous uh, with it. Um, he can win those 50-50 balls. Uh, he's very – his catch radius is huge. He's very long. He's rangy, deceptive speed. And uh, he's just the most athletic uh, target that they have on this football team. So yet again, you bring in another guy like Weston Dressler, you know, I'd say four years ago, you maybe wouldn't notice it as much as you would today. I think, I think Weston uh, would admit himself he's not quite the guy he used to be. But even in his prime, uh, Weston Dressler isn't the same type of receiver that, that Darvin is as well, right? He's more of a, a, a route guy, a possession guy. Um, that is really, really smart. His, his football uh, intelligence there and ability to read what's happening in front of him is, is uh, really unparalleled. But they're just two different styles and, and types and, and different, uh, different levels of explosiveness, I think. So once again, just like Mo Leggett, you know, Darvin Adams is a very, very uh, particular and uh, precious piece of, of that offensive um, prowess. And I think that's automatically um, going to be very difficult, just like Mo Leggett, to overcome. We'll see what they do about it. So where do they go, Bob? Do they go to LaDainian Washington? Do they give him some more responsibility? Or maybe do they go to their practice roster? Chris Givens is on the practice roster. He's been there a month, uh, played a lot of games in the National Football League. They like him a lot. And he's one possibility. He could be the guy. LaDamian Washington is, a, is another one. Uh, but the, the loss of Adams is immeasurable. It really is. The comfort factor that uh, Matt Nichols has with him. Nichols said earlier this year that he doesn't even have to see Weston Dressler. He knows where he's going to be on every play. And so he throws the ball there because Weston will be there. So Weston coming back is huge. It's huge. And Darvin Adams was exactly the same. Didn't even have to see him. He knew where he was going to be, and he'd be in the right place on every route. The mix-ups they had in this last game, a lot of breakdowns on offense, were related to what we're talking about, where guys just weren't where they're supposed to be. And this is what offense is all about, right? Uh, Not having mistakes, not running the wrong routes, making sure you pick up blocks and all that stuff. And when you move people around and have new people in, it just all breaks down. And I don't want to make it sound impossible. Having Dressler back is great. But Darvin Adams is the best receiver on this team by far. And there's nobody behind him, quite frankly, who's even close. So it's a tough one. It really is. Uh, What you're talking about is creating that extra split seconds uh, that that create a play that works and one that doesn't work, right? And then that's what we forget about this game is that it is so often that split second. Uh, Timothy Flanders, do we expect him back, Bob? Uh, What's his situation? I don't think he'll play this week. Should be back the following week, certainly for the playoffs. Now, if they clinch second place this week by winning or Edmonton losing, uh, then what do you do? You got a chance to rest guys, but Flanders will be back for the playoffs. Darvin Adams won't, and neither will Mo Leggett. I'll tell you this uh, I would not want to be Andrew Harris finishing this season because if I'm a defensive coordinator going to play against the Blue Bomber offense right now, all I'm doing is taking away Andrew Harris. I am 
putting guys on blanketing him, bracketing him any which way, um, absolutely smothering him wherever he goes. And I'm going to say, okay, Matt Nichols, beat us in, in man or zone coverage with your current stable of rosters. We'll take our chances there. It's not going to be Andrew Harris that beats us. I think you saw, you know, BC take advantage of the fact that Flanders wasn't in there. And all of a sudden now there's not decoys. There's not, hey, one of these is, is, uh, Almost like the other, and you have to kind of choose your poison, right? Yeah, yeah. Pick your poison between the two, right? Because if you focus too much on one, the other one, you know, seeing them split out of the backfield is just, you know, that's it's a beautiful sight. But I, I think you saw with BC, they recognized, obviously, Flanders wasn't in that game, and they're like, okay, we're going to make you beat us with your receiving core, and Andrew Harris is not going to have a, 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 a say in this game. He's not going to be an impactful player. And they had guys all over him. I mean, his helmet got knocked off, what, three times or whatever. It was just the attention he's going to get, my expectation in these remaining games. You know, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see. How do you approach these last three games? Are they 12 quarters of football? Are they 12 individual quarters of football? Are they three individual games? Uh, how do you approach this, Bob? Because it's kind of a unique situation. The Bombers haven't been in this situation where they've got a playoff spot clinched. I don't know when. Bob, uh, Doug, do you remember the last time uh, the Bombers had uh, something clinched? Uh, three games left. But might it have been 0-1? <laughs> I think other years we've certainly had uh, things clinched before uh, 2001 prior to that. But right now it's still about, you know, they still got to secure that home field berth, right? And they don't know what's going to happen with Calgary, so on and so forth. So if you can get a home playoff game, that is huge for your chances in terms of advancing. So I think you have to secure that. And then you ask, I think your question is premature, Greg, actually. So once you secure your home field, Playout, like securing a playoff spot, whatever. They want the home field game. Once they have that, then you ponder those questions and ask yourself, okay, who needs to be rested? You know, who should be sitting out this game? Who can we afford or not afford? And once again, pin all that against, do we want these guys to be rusty? Do we want them to all you know, have some momentum, maybe be playing well. Are you looking at the Bombers to look ahead to the weekend of November 10th, Bob, and the idea uh, that they're going to be playing a playoff game in Winnipeg or in Edmonton or, God forbid, they have to go to Saskatchewan somehow, some way. If we're looking at it that way, then are, but are they going all out for home field advantage? Uh, the big man here says it's critical that they get that home game and it's a gigantic advantage. How much energy, how, many, how much manpower will they expel in order to achieve that goal? Well, I think you do everything you have to do to, to get the home field. That could happen this weekend and it could leave them two games to play that mean nothing in the standings. And that's when I think this is one of the toughest decisions coaches have to make when they get in these situations. Knowing Mike O'Shea like I do, I think he'll play game 17 as if it's just a game that we want to win at all costs. Game 18 will be most intriguing with O'Shea if that game in Calgary means nothing in the standings. What do you do? How much do you play Nichols? How much do you play Andrew Harris? You know, and on, and you got to play some of the frontliners because there's not enough backups to sit them all down. But how much do you play them? And I, I, Mike and I discussed this a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Well, I think you know the guys got to stay in the flow. They got to get some playing time. But how much? I don't. You know, he's struggling with it too. I know he's struggling. All coaches do struggle with how to do this. So, but item number one, priority number one, clinch second place and have Edmonton or Saskatchewan come in here for a semifinal game." 
to bring the uh, hockey analogies on the pregame show. I'm going to bring a curling one, and that is the idea of in curling, right? You play two, sometimes three games a day at a curling bond spiel, and then on Friday, when you clinch first place, what do they do? What's your reward? You get a day off. Right, and sometimes I think that's the kiss of death in that sport, and I think sometimes it the, it's the kiss of death in football as well. Doug, a day off. I mean, I'm talking about a week off, right? You know, like I'm talking about you know 2001, right? You had that week against, not to remind you, but you had that game against Calgary. Yeah, you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? And and the game meant nothing to you; it meant everything to them, and we all know how that turned out. Now. Things are not we're, not, we're not living in a parallel universe this season, but that game November 3rd against the Stampeders may mean nothing for either team. Yeah, I mean, you're totally preempting our next week's podcast right now because uh, the, these things are, are up in the air right now. But to me, that's all, that's all football hindsight, right? Whatever, if your season goes on and you win, then you played it right so okay i'm gonna interrupt you here because all along all season you haven't necessarily been buying into the company line about well we're just you know we're taking it a week at a time and we're we're not looking ahead here are you suggesting that there is some validity to these comments that the the bombers spew to us about that they're only playing one week at a time are you saying that that is the preferred mentality I'm saying, well, you're getting, you're jumping all over the place, man. I'm, I'm trying to focus in on what they do if they secure a home playoff game. Um, but yeah, you you look at each individual game as you know, each game has its own special set of circumstances and challenge and obstacles, right? So that'll be something uh, that they'll have to jump into depending upon what what happens and uh, what they're able to close out with with a victory in in Toronto if they can get there. So, but like I say, whether you rest everybody, whether you play everybody, it will all be evaluated and judged by how far you end up going. There is no absolute right or wrong answer. It's only all right if you win all your games and you win a championship, and then you played it wrong if you don't. And, and that's the only way you can evaluate it. And people have done it both ways. And it, it just depends on the football team. And it depends on the vibe that, you know, that franchise is feeling at the time when uh, things start to matter more than more than other. Okay, so there's a couple different places you can get new players this time of year. uh, And that's off your practice roster and maybe someone that's unsigned, someone that's in your quote unquote protected list or somewhere else in your organization. And Doug, you wanted to talk about Andy Malumba. Who is Andy Malumba and uh, why should we be talking about him today? I believe he's in the 2013 draft. He was a number two, number two pick overall in the, in the first round, uh, six foot four, 260 pounds. So you're like, you hear about this guy and you're like, Oh, well, Westerman's down and he's going to be a free agent next year. So why isn't he here yet kind of thing? And he's got a Canadian passport. Yeah, yeah, he's a Canadian. Well, if, if you were drafted, it's kind of, you know, it's built in. I'll give back one of my gold stars. Sorry, Doug. <laughs> it's kind of implied when I'm talking about if you were a draft pick by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that you were Canadian. But anyways, um, he seems like a natural fit to come here, but very uh, uh, unique set of circumstances going on right now where, so I guess this would be his fourth year in the NFL and uh, he hasn't had any takers right now, and he's kind of in, in limbo, and, and his agent, so therefore, is, is talking to the general manager of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers about getting a deal done, so on and so forth. And obviously, we just heard in, in the news this week that the money is insufficient, the term is too long kind of thing. 
And it just took me back to, you know, I looked at uh, Mulamba's tenure in the NFL and I kind of looked at mine a little bit and, and we spent a similar amount of time and we played, well, I think I actually played a few more games than him, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and so we have similar backgrounds before we came to the CFL. And I, I was just, I was like, oh, I remember when my agent was calling the CFL and the Calgary Stampeders and Wally Buono at that time because we were stalled in the National Football League. And uh, he was throwing numbers at us that we were extremely unhappy with as well and asking that our rights be traded. And lo and behold, my rights got traded to Winnipeg, thank God. And uh, I was able to come here and, and, and uh, play my career. So I just saw so many parallels between this when I was watching the plight and his agent and being stalled on negotiation and unhappy about... That's the thing, as a Canadian, when you go into the NFL and, and you, you play some games, you start some games... And then it's time for you to transition up here and play up here. And then the GM, he just kind of throws out anything you may have accomplished or done in the NFL and says, well, this is what we want to pay you up here. You haven't done anything in the CFL yet. And I remember talking to my agent about that. And I'm like, well, I, I think, you know, if I was able to play somewhat successfully down here, I should be able to play somewhat successfully up there. And uh, it just wasn't reflected in the numbers. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, uh, we were able to convince uh, Calgary to, to trade my rights, and we were able to work out a, a much more appropriate deal that we, we thought. I think it was still only two years when I came here, but deals get extended. You know, I never ended up making it to free agency over 11 years playing in Winnipeg. So I just, uh, it, it was interesting to be on the opposite side of this to watch it happen right now with Andy and whether they will trade him. I mean, I think there's certainly a need for him. I think there's a, a big excitement. He's a Canadian player that has had uh, a, a degree of success in the National Football League. Um, obviously, there are guys that come from the NFL to the CFL and it doesn't translate and they don't transition well. They have the wrong attitude when they come up here. They don't think they have to work hard, so on and so forth. But if he's the right guy, if they can establish and you know have have been able to discern this from his uh, resume down south it's a it's a heck of an opportunity and you'd hate to see him uh, potentially play somewhere else for a decade Malumba was drafted by the bombers doug so that means he is a canadian so just so you know there most people realize that yeah i wanted to clarify that whether bomber fans call or text bob irving makes sure your questions get answers from mike o'shea it's your chance to stay connected to the blue and gold the PayWorks Bombers Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea and Bob Irving, Monday at 7 on CJOB. Hey, hey, it's GMAC for Doug Brown and Bob Irving on this week's edition of the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. We want to send you to an upcoming Blue Bomber game. We've got one game left in the regular season at IGF, which is where we were today, and that is the secret word. IGF, put them all together, IGF. Text it now, 204-780-6868, and we can send you, if you're lucky, to the next Blue Bomber home game, courtesy the Blue Bomber Podcast. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Let's get back to the action. 
So, Bob, uh, last word to you. Uh, we can go back over the years, and I'm racking my brain trying to remember the latest the Bombers ever brought in a player that, that made an impact in this fashion the last handful of games, and I can't really put my finger on one. Is this a road that you think the Bombers should be going down? Are they, are they missing an opportunity by not stepping up financially or otherwise with Malumba? Well, there's a number of factors involved here. Uh, they have offered Malumba a contract. They offered him a contract two or three weeks ago, but it's not for the money he wants. Surprise, surprise. This happens occasionally in sport where, and here's a guy, and there's no correlation, by the way. Doug talked about numbers. There's no correlation between what you get paid in the NFL and what you get paid up here. None at all. And I presume Andy Malumba understands that. I'm not sure his agent does, based on what I've heard about his agent. And agents can can ruin these negotiations faster than, than anything. So they've offered him a contract. The money for the rest of this year was probably not what he wanted. And beyond that, I, I'm not sure. Uh, but it was a three-year deal. Like, they're not going to sign him for four games and they'll let him become a free agent again. Do you think that's what his agent wants? Yeah, basically. They don't want to give up on the NFL. They have for now. Uh, and he's bounced around down there. He's been with four or five teams, I think, in the last two years trying to catch on one more time. And he's finally decided, my time down there is over. I'd like to play in the Canadian Football League, but I want to play on my terms. And Kyle Walters, look, I side with the organization on this. Kyle Walters treats players with respect, pays them what what he believes they're worth, what the market value is. This guy obviously feels he's worth a lot more, as Doug did in Calgary. Wally Buono lets players go because he won't pay them. John Huffnagel lets Stanley Bryant come to Winnipeg because he refused to pay him what he wanted. The Bombers did pay him. This, is, this kid's a Canadian. He's probably worth pursuing aggressively. And I don't know how aggressively Kyle has pursued him, but they've offered him a contract. Now it's kind of deteriorated because the, and the agent's saying some outrageous things about the Bombers and about the league, which just muddy the waters. If I'm the player, I get on the phone to Kyle Walters and talk to him. Say, look, here, here's where I'm at. I mean, the agent says he can retire. He's a smart guy. He can go into business and make a million dollars. Well, I'll retire and go into business then. I mean, if I've got an agent talking like that, I'm going to phone him up and say, hey, pal, I want to play some more football. I'm not sure you're putting me on the right path with what you're saying about the team that has my rights and the league that I want to play in now. So, sorry, I'm with the Bombers on this. I know how they treat players, and uh, this agent to me is, is kind of messing things up. What's going to happen down the road, I don't know. But is Malumba a candidate of interest? For sure he is. He's a Canadian defensive end. How good would he be? None of us know. And I just realized the name that I should have been recalling earlier, Jerron Bolden, came up in 07, very much at the last minute. I think he played maybe the last three or four regular season games. I think he ended up being injured for the Grey Cup, if I'm not mistaken. But he'd been here before. That's the difference, right? Yeah, he knew the game. And, you know, he's a cornerback, right? He'd just step right in and play that spot. Um, You know, the Bombers are getting pretty good play out of their defensive ends. Now, Malumba's a Canadian, I get that. But we're talking about three or four or five games, the three games now. How much difference could he make? I just don't think there's any urgency to get him here now. But certainly down the road, uh, yeah, he's a player you'd love to have based on his credentials and what you know about. Okay, so the Bombers going to Toronto. We haven't even talked about that game. Let's just look ahead uh, in 30 seconds or less. Doug, what do you think of Bombers uh, going in there to win in Toronto? And in my mind, the biggest question is, will there be more Blue Bomber fans than Argonaut fans at BMO Field? But that's uh, that'll be determined on Saturday afternoon. What do you think is going to happen on the field? I think they I think they respond. Um, 
even though they won their last game against BC, uh, I, I think the offense has not played well uh, for a stretch now. So I think they'll have a breakout game, hopefully against Toronto. I think they'll cement their uh, home playoff game here at IGF for uh, for second place in the CFL in the West. We go now to the to the voice of the Blue Bombers uh, with his prediction for this weekend's game. Well, it's a good test, I think, for the Bomber offense to see if they can bounce back and what they can do without Darvin Adams because they haven't been very good of late. Uh, defensively, it's another good test because Ricky Ray is going to be thrown at the SJ Green every second pass, and uh, SJ has been hard for everybody to cover this year. I, I don't. This is no slam dunk game for me. I, I think the Ar- the Argos have played some great football this year, and they've played some very average football this year. But uh, I think this is going to be a tough game to win. But based on what the Bombers have shown us this year, and that's that bounce back ability, Doug. When things don't go well, uh, I think we'll get a good performance out of them. And certainly they can win, uh, but I don't think I'd bet a lot on it. Yeah, I'm with you, Bob. I, I'm a little nervous about this game. I don't like the way the Bombers have played historically in Toronto. Mostly that's been in Sky Dome, and now they're outdoors at BMO Field. But uh, I, I'm 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 feeling an Argo win this week. Uh, a final point: as long as they're practicing with earplugs right now, so they get used to hearing nothing whatsoever when they're playing, because the silence is deafening. At, at BMO so you have to it's unsettling as a player right you have to nobody cheers one way or the other no matter what happens in the game so uh, you know it's good to make sure you're familiar with that kind of environment during your practice week. You had one more thing too it was always a depressing environment when you went to Rogers Center for a game and it's honest to God it's even worse at BMO Field we were there for a game last year and yeah I mean they're averaging 14,000 fans they might have 12 or 13 I guess for this game it's just sad. It really is. I hope they can get it turned around in Toronto. I, I just uh, that would be one of the things that would really make me happy as the years go by. But man, oh man, it's really bad there. It really is. And and they've done an awesome job. Tressman and those guys have done an awesome job, given that nobody comes to watch them, nobody cares about them there, and yet they play pretty good football. Thank you, Bob Irving. Thank you for uh, lending your voice to the podcast, Doug. Last word to you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. I'm just glad we had our uh, our credibility check show up today. And uh, whenever we need another audit, I think uh, we should have him on again. It's fantastic to uh, to share some time with him on this. For Bob Irving, for Doug Brown, it's GMAC for the Blue Bomber podcast with the aforementioned Doug Brown. The Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.